Hello friends, I'm Carly. I'm Kelsey. Welcome to the Sheatitudes Podcast. Sisters have returned. We're back. What is that from? <laughs> Almost. Miss Daya has returned. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a stretch. It's a bit of a leap. Yeah, there's that. Hey, everyone. We are back, and we have had the best week. We have such news. We're ants again. Aunts? Aunts. Aunties. 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 <sighs> Sounds like panties. Our niece, Freya Spring, was born exactly one week ago. Mm-hmm. And she's amazing. She's so squishy and droopy. She, she's very squishy. Oh, like newborn babies are squishy, but she is. She is exceptionally squishy. Yes. Just you move her head different ways, and gravity makes her face totally new. Yeah, because it just pulls her little face everywhere. Her cheeks sometimes drop below her jawline, and we are here for that. Oh. It it's is the best. So cute. It's so cute. And she smells amazing. Mm-hmm. Like springtime. <laughs> Freya spring, Freya spring. And she is so hairy. What? She's oh, got she, a lot yeah. of hair. The word hairy makes it sound like body hair. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, she has, she has full head hair. And it's curly. curly. Ah! So cute. So cute. And so Kaisa. Is a big sister. And she has mixed feelings about it. Yes, yes. Mostly positive at this point. Yes. She's, like, cool with it staying there. Yes. She yes. wasn't sure at first. Yeah. She, she felt a little neglected. Yeah, we have, um, we're not really allowed to hold the baby and not also hold her at the same time. Yes. Yes. But that's so, fine. So we go over during nap time to hold the baby and then spend the rest of our time focusing on big sis. So. <laughs> Which is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. She's in a great phase oh what a dear oh my gosh we could gush about them the entire episode we won't i mean would you prefer it would no. you bonus episode where we just talk about our nieces i don't think anybody <laughs> wants to listen to that her mother and father do no they don't they live with them <laughs> they would not want to listen that's to right that. the grandparents would <laughs> oh my gosh uh, so that's been our life that's been our life but we are back now whoever thought that so quickly into a new project we would have to have already taken so much time off not that much we have already skipped two weeks of this yeah but that's normal no i don't think so i know people who've taken months off after only going for months they could not have succeeded they they're still going but it was the Coco, the Coco Roro. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. So. Yeah, these are different times. These are the special times. <laughs> that mashup just happened. The, there are some references that don't need to be made. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well, anyway, you guys, we are here back to talk about the Beatitudes. We left off with, oh, gosh, I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and... Something else. <laughs> That's so awful. All I'm thinking about is this week, so I don't remember what no, we talked about. No, I'm, I'm not giving up. What did we talk about last time? It's been two weeks. 
We talked about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and the meek. Blessed are the meek. Meek. This week, we are talking about the merciful and the pure in heart. Mm-hmm. Kelsey's cringe face right now. I'm a little cringe face. I get a little triggered by the idea of purity because I mm-hmm. think we get a little precious and, plur- and pearl clutchy about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually think it's something that's really juicy, but we we ignore that. Yeah. So I get a little, whenever people use the word pure, I get a little like, ugh. Yeah. You're a Hallmark movie watcher. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. But we'll get into all that. Fair, fair. First, we need to have a little funsies. Funsies. Are you going first or am I going first? Um, I'm going to let you go first. Why not? Oh, my gosh. Okay, Carly. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're going to love this. Great. This is a game I like to call Feeny or Phony. Feeny or phony, that's the game. Did you wrote, just come up with that on the spot? I, I wrote that a long time ago. Yeah, that sounds like a jingle that took a lot of time. <laughs> it did. Did you miss the instrumentation that also happened? Welcome to Feeny or Phony, the game that honors the educator we all know and love, George Feeny. Feeny! Of Boy Meets World fame. Carly, what I'm going to do is I am going to read quotes from famous movie and or TV, famous film principles. Sure. And you have to tell me, is it Feeny or is it a phony? So these are all quotes, though. All quotes. So, like, if I'm not sure if it's Feeny, I might be able to know if it's someone else. In fact, you most of them you probably will. Okay, okay. Bonus points if you can name who actually did say sure, it. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. Because I feel like I won't necessarily know quotes as well. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We're starting off strong, Carly. The Great. first quote is, Nice. <laughs> That's Feeny. It is Feeny. It is George I have Feeny. an itch. <laughs> nice. It just felt appropriate for this week now that we have another niece. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, Carly, the next quote is, Would you like a hug? <laughs> that is not Feeny. That is a phony. That is um, <laughs> School of Rock. Mm-hmm. Principal Mullins. Principal Mullins. Uh-huh. I had a hard time deciding what quote I wanted to use from her. There are so many good ones. <laughs> she's good. When the guy says that she's so hot, she says, sorry, are, are you warm? <laughs> <laughs> Joan Cusack can do anything yes. as far as I'm concerned. Yes. All right, Carly. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want. I have the megaphone. Um, Feeny. Feeny. Yeah. Indeed, Feeny. All right. Three for three. It's not enough to desire to succeed in this cold, cruel world, because then you've simply just become part of it. Hmm. I'd go with Feeny. It is Feeny. Okay. Isn't that a good quote? That's a good one. I want to use that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. All right. Next is... I did not leave the South Side for this. <laughs> no, that's from Mean Girls. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Duvall. <laughs> no, he's the one who has a nephew named Anthony. <laughs> I almost used that quote and <laughs> would have been too, ob- too obvious. That, yeah. and can you imagine Anthony Feeney? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Okay, next. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Remember that. That is Albus Dumbledore. It is indeed. Of Harry Potter fame, the headmaster of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Who I he and he and Feeney would be good drinking buddies. 
Yes, they would. Oh my gosh, they would teach you so much. Them and like Gandalf. Oh my gosh. What wisdom? Oh my gosh. All right, Carly. You have always been taught to look for the right answer, but you must also learn that in life, sometimes the right answer is that there isn't one. Feeny. Feeny. Mm-hmm. Also a good one. That's a good one. Feeny rings true, even still. Feeny. If you don't like my policies, you can come on down here and smooch my big old white butt. Hmm. I really hope it's Feeny. <laughs> I thought you might hope. I would hope the same. In fact, it is Dean Rooney from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, <laughs> yes, it is. It is, isn't it? Oh, I haven't watched that in years. We should. Plays a clarinet. Never had one lesson. That's my favorite part. I say that anytime I play any instrument. (laughs) There is no gravity in space, therefore astronauts suck up. Learn from them. (laughs) Feeny? Feeny! (laughs) All right, next. Why are all these women married? <laughs> Mrs. T, Mrs. I, you're supposed to be teaching spelling, not poetry. That's from Matilda, the trench bowl. It is indeed not me, yes. a phony. And trench bowl. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Honey's not funny. No. But really funny. On accident. <laughs> all right, Carly, next. Attention. Your book pictures are now being taken. Chess Club, it's your move. Insect Club, you're in five minutes, so stop bugging me. (laughs) That's awful. I do not want to credit Feeny for that. Is it Feeny? You have to guess, Carly. I'm going to say no. It it is a phony. It is a phony. You're correct. It's Principal Belding from Saved by the Bell. Much, (laughs) much more accurate. Yeah. Because that's funny. (laughs) But not Feeny funny. No, that's Belding funny. And he does that weird laugh after he says it. (laughs) I just came up with a funny thing. Feeny, finey, phony, funny. (laughs) Was that a funny thing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so tired. I can't go to work tomorrow. Carly, Mm -hmm. next. Mm -hmm. I'm from Boston, you boob. (laughs) Feeny. Yes. Okay, Carly, for the money. Mm-hmm. For the money. I love you all. Oh, no. Class oh, no. Dismissed. Oh, no, that Feeny, I can't feel that today. I will not lie to you. When I was looking up different Feeny quotes, and they included, before that little portion, they included the part where he says um, something about, you know, uh, dream, try, mm-hmm. do good. And the kids say, don't you mean do well? And he mm-hmm. says, no, I mean do good. And then they leave. Mm-hmm. And he says, I love you all. Class dismissed. After, oh, after no. they're telling him, tell us you tell love us, and he won't he do it. And I read through that today, and I sobbed. Yeah. Yeah. I oh can't I can't watch that. That show meant so much to yeah. me. Yeah. Ugh. Mr. Feeney. I was hoping for the quote in which he says, shame on you. <laughs> Because he, well, Topanga has a different shame on you, shame moment. But but when he's criticizing them that that Guten, Gutenberg, Gutenberg, yeah, he had to. They wanted a, they craved a book every every year, or and, every so and often. You guys get the internet, and and so shame on you for he wasting says, that. You know what he says? He says you deserve what you get. Mm-hmm. Oh, Vini. 
Fehehene. That is guilt like none Also, other. the true love story is not Corey and Topanga, nor is it Corey and Sean. The true love story of Boy Meets World is Feeny and Eric. I thought you were going to say Feeny and the Dean, but you're absolutely right that it's Feeny and Eric. Feeny and Eric. It really Changed is. Changed my mind. That's the best, best friendship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you play a game with me? I'd love to play a game with you. Okay. All right. It might be a little sporadic. What? Because I'm kind of picking it random. Um... <sighs> In the words of Moira Rose, (laughs) the best season is awards. (laughs) So in honor of awards season, we are going to do some funny award show moments. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And and these all awards I I looked at random. It's not specifically Oscars or Tonys. Oh, I got wow. a good variety. That really like widens my options. Yes. Yes. And some of it is just funny trivia. Like for example, this isn't a question. I just want to tell you about <laughs> Fiji Water Girl who photobombed almost every celebrity on the red carpet because she was there holding water. <laughs> All these pictures smiling at the camera. Oh my god! I'm like, that's a dream job. That's our in. Oh my gosh, Fiji Water Girl. But water bottles. 2019 Golden Globes with the She Attitudes logo on it. Oh. That's how we do it. There clap, it is. clap, clap, clap to that. Okay, so softball question though. The often misquoted speech line is, "You like me. You really, really like me." Mm-hmm. Who said that? Sally Field. It was Sally Field. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Okay. So that was just a warm-up. A little warm-up. What do you mean oft misquoted? It says that the actual line she said is, I can't deny the fact that you like me. Right now you like me. Oh. No, that's not how I hear it in my head. Exactly. Sally, Sally. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's look at some other quotable moments. Oh, my gosh. If I were to say, well, I guess this isn't a quote. If I were to say... Meat dress. Who would you think of? Lady Gaga. Very well done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who had this kafah? Adele Dazim. <laughs> that is John Travolta introducing Idina Menzel to sing Let It Go from Frozen. Mm-hmm, at the 2014 Oscars. That's, uh, 2014? That movie's that old? Yes, it is. Why is it still around? Um, what actress... Tripped going up the stairs. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. That was hilarious. So true to her. How many times was Leonardo DiCaprio nominated before winning in 2016? A lot. Eight? Good answer. Six. Six. Yes. Always a bummer. That face, though, that time he lost. To himself? No, when he wanted to win. Like, it it was like number five. That he was like, I'm going to win. And he didn't. (laughs) It's just like cringe face. (laughs) I think about that like when I'm constipated. (laughs) And now everyone knows. You're welcome. Um, Who was the first black Oscar winner? Of any category? Mm -hmm. Um, From Gone with the Wind. Mm -hmm. What is her name? She played, she played, uh, she played her mammy. But Mm -hmm. what? Oh my gosh. Can you give me initials? H.M. I can give you the name. It's fine. That was good enough. Hattie McDaniel. I was going to say Hattie, but I couldn't remember the McDaniel part. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, who she was still forced to sit in the back of the venue <sighs> during the event. So crazy. However, she almost wasn't allowed to go, I believe. And 
Charlton Heston refused to go if she couldn't. Oh, I believe. I mm-hmm. remember hearing that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just difficult. Along those lines, um, what actor did not attend the award ceremony, but instead sent a Native American activist to the stage to speak on his behalf? Um, and she said he re- very regretfully cannot accept this award. The reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry in 1973. Oh, 1973. I was going to say that sounds something that like Sean Penn would do. Mm-hmm. 1973? Definitely not Clint Eastwood. No. The hint is the godfather. Marlon Brando? Marlon Brando. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Marlon. Good okay. on him. Good on him. Wow. Speaking of um, being political or activists from the awards. From the podium, which they all love to do, yes. Um, if I said, love is love is love is love is love is love. I would say Lin-Manuel Miranda winning the Tony Correct. for Hamilton in 2016. Correct. Um, what... Actress brought 40 sandwiches with her to the 2019 Golden Globes in order to feed hungry guests. I don't know, but I feel like it's Amy Poehler. <laughs> Close. Melissa McCarthy. Oh, uh, yeah. Good for her. Good for her. Um, <laughs> what Oscar-winning movie? <laughs> 2017. I haven't watched in a while. Okay, so, but it was announced... That La La Land won the Oscar. Mm. What movie actually won the Oscar? Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. I, I will know once you say it. Moonlight. No, I won't. <laughs> what in the world is that movie? I have no idea. Wasn't that a movie with Cher like back in the day? I don't know. I have no idea what that movie is, but they have gone down in history as being as the biggest faux pas of the Oscars. It's a a faux pas either way, because La La Land, even if it did win, should not have won. Exactly. Um, Okay, 2017 Grammys. What singer used her tearful acceptance speech as an opportunity to share her admiration for Beyonce? All of them, I hope. <laughs> well, certainly. I don't know anyone from the current years. You, you know this one. I know you know this one. Is it Janelle Monet. You'll never find someone like her. That doesn't She could have had it all. Rolling in the deep. Oh, Adele. Adele. Really? Yes. I feel like Beyonce should sing the praises of Adele, if I'm being very honest. That's true. That is very true. Oh, Adele. Adele. Sorry, I missed that, Adele. In 2008, Patti LuPone <clears throat> is quoted as saying, Shut up, it's been 29 years when the orchestra tried to play her off the stage. Mm-hmm. For her speech going too long. Mm-hmm. Who did something similar in 2017? At the Tonys? At the Tony Awards. Yes. Where she is quoted as saying, shut that crap off. (laughs) It was Bette Midler. It was the best moment of the whole night. It was incredible. Can you name 
at least four celebrities from the 2014 Oscar celebrity selfie that Ellen. Oh, Ellen DeGeneres, Mm -hmm. Meryl Streep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's as many as you can do. Great. Um, No, wait. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris? Um, No. Denzel Washington? No. Beyonce? (laughs) 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 Oprah? (laughs) Like, get a little more contemporary, would you? Uh, Meryl Streep's not that contemporary. Jennifer Lawrence? There, yes. Um, Was in a movie with? Bradley Cooper. Yes. Very good. That was four. Also Brad Pitt. And, and, um, oh, I can't think of her name. Teeth. Teeth. Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. And then there's, like, people I can't, I don't know. They don't matter. Um, anyway. Um, um, um. Trying to find where my other one went. If I were to say, Art! <laughs> Who, <laughs> whose speech from the Tonys? That is Alice Ripley. <laughs> Alice Ripley's acceptance speech in the Tony Awards for Next to Normal. That moment. Iconic. Ah, oh, that's probably my favorite moment. Period. Not even of an awards show. <laughs> Just my favorite moment to ever happen. <laughs> Alice. Oh, she was goodness. in an interview and she referred to herself as Norma Desmond. And that felt so exactly true. It, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Yes. We love you, Alice. You'll never hear this, but Alice. We love you. All the love in the world for you, Alice. Well, thanks for, for joining me on this journey of memories of all the award shows. <laughs> We didn't watch. And some we did. Wow. <laughs> That's how to conclude a segment. <laughs> Let us begin our main segment then. Shall we? We shall, indubitably. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. Matthew 5, verses 7 and 8. The Lord saith, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mm. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Yes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Where do you want to start with this? Because I could soapbox really quickly, and I just don't think that we got to straight out of the gate that stuff. Fair enough. I'll be, start with mercy, because that's yes. the one that comes first. Sure. Mm-hmm. I was just reading something. Maybe this is like a quick, too quick of a jump here. But I was reading through uh, quotes when we were researching uh, this whole series. And uh, granted, he's not a Christian. I don't necessarily think that matters in bringing up true points. Mm-hmm. Kurt Vonnegut said... Um, he was remarking how, you know, people are very uh, up in arms about making sure that there's prayer in schools or the Ten Commandments are posted in buildings, but you will never see blessed or the merciful in a courtroom. Mm. Aw, snap. Yeah, snap. I, when I read that, I was just like, uh, no, you won't. Mm-hmm. You, you won't. And that already like it already just gets me into the space of like come on you guys yeah 
we read it we read it right there but we just gladly ignore it and go for the things that have more punishment to them mm-hmm. like there's more punishment to disobeying the 10 commandments yeah mercy if we're in a courtroom and we're like we need to be merciful mm-hmm. we're usually going to for feel almost obligated to forego a punishment mm-hmm. and that doesn't make us feel very powerful yeah yeah and it's so hard because that's Essentially, the whole point of this religion is that we were shown mercy. So quit holding the world to some arbitrary standard that you yourself are not being held to by God. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, why is it? Well, I mean, gosh, we could get into that for years. Mm-hmm. Um. But I just, oh, I need to, my brain is like spinning in a million directions and I need to just focus it into one place. Sure. Um, why are we so fast to withhold mercy in, in, um, in our pursuit of justice? Yeah. When I think that it is very much a key player in God's sense of justice. Mm -hmm. And we always want to bring up like, well, but in the Old Testament or in this, and it's like, yeah, but why? there's so many other things that we saw Jesus, you know, step away from and move closer to the heart of God as though like the Old Testament was like what they could handle at that time. And Mm -hmm. then he moved us closer into something. Why do we go back to that as our bar? Yeah. Um, But Madeline Lengel said something in, I think it was in Walking on Water, which, listen, if I could recommend one book to everyone ever of all time, mm-hmm. it's that one, Walking on Water, Madeline Lingle. Um, I, I mean, I say that. I say that's my one book I'd ever recommend. We all know. <laughs> <laughs> we all know better. We've met me. I will recommend a lot of books all the time. Great. Um, but that's a big one. Mm-hmm. And um, she says something, I believe, in that book along the lines of, and I think I've mentioned it before, um, that... People who know they are forgiven, forgive. Uh And so in this case, it just makes me wonder if the reciprocal, you know, like if we're not showing mercy, do we really believe we've been shown mercy? Uh And that that question kind of does help me to um, be more gracious to people who I feel would rather a punishment over a person than mercy. Right. Because it does make me think, like, do you not know how much you've been forgiven? Like, do you yeah. not trust that you have been? Yeah. Because I think that if if you really did, yeah. the, the, the need for people to be punished as justice mm-hmm. would not be so strong. Mm-hmm. But what, what are we compensating for? I think there's so much ingrained in us... I mean, whatever your background is, I think there's just a lot of childhood wounds related to punishment. Yeah. And and rules that and maybe it's just because of Enneagram, like my one wing coming in that that I have this tendency towards perfectionism. And that's not everyone, but but I know from a very young age being very anal about all sorts of things. Right and wrong. And I don't think anyone taught me that. I think I took it as that. And so while I can try and be 
so gracious towards other people, my inner critic eats me alive. Hmm. That I can do something minor and I will shame myself and shame myself and shame myself. Whereas someone else would do the same thing and be like, that's not even an issue. I think I am almost, well, not necessarily the opposite, but I don't really have that inner critic. Yeah. But I am more likely to um, point out when other people, they're, they're not following the rule. They're not doing that right. They're not being the church. They're not this, which like, listen, sometimes we're not being the church and that has to be called out. Mm-hmm. But it's way easier for me to criticize they're not doing this, which is what mm-hmm. I see a lot of us doing these days. Mm-hmm. Shame on them. Shame on them. Which, let's get rid of that phrase because there is no shame in the gospel. Mm-hmm. But shame on this, them this, shame on them that. It's really easy for me to do that because that is my way of avoiding any inner critic. Yes. And I think it's that same idea of it's like if I really understood how much mercy had been shown to me, I'd be more willing to show it. Yes. Um, and I think that that is where... When I am dealing with, I did something wrong, my, my inner critic, my justice oriented thoughts say, Carly, you deserve punishment. You deserve whatever you get from this. You deserve to be fired. You deserve to be kicked out of something. I mean, just, I go there mm. assuming horrible things and then find out, oh, that's nothing. Yeah. It's not a big deal at all. And even if it was a big deal, that's not going to be the consequence. I, I tend to get to such extremism in my own thinking about myself. But when I finally either see people act mercifully toward me, um, or I just wrestle with my inner critic and come to the Lord and he just laughs, <laughs> yeah. you know, just smiles over me and says, Hello. <laughs> yeah. Why, why do you think this is the end? Why do you think this is the end of anything? That that in that space of chill, you're fine. That I feel, I do feel empowered to just let things go for other people. This could be taking a step into a realm where we don't have a ton of uh, answers. Sure. But I think it's worth mentioning for people's own um, musings or self-analysis because it has been very beneficial for me. But I was listening to Mike McCarg, Science Mike, Mm. in several interviews, actually. He's talked about this, how... Uh, in in legit you can legitimately see it in brain scans mm. of people that um, people who believe in a punishing God who themselves like if if we're gonna you know go with this understanding of like we're gonna seek more punishment if we don't understand how much punishment we've avoided through Christ mm-hmm. um, you know people who are constantly seeking punishment for for whatever sort of justice. Or saying, like, they deserve this because they're a bad politician or they deserve... Like, you mm-hmm. know, when we're going for that, it's very likely that we believe in a punishing God. Yes. And the in a brain scan, you can see how much gray matter that much person has in whatever part of the brain registers fear. Yes. Um, whereas people who believe in a loving God, mm-hmm. who are the mercy-showing people, mm-hmm. um, don't... Their, that part of their brain doesn't activate as often. Mm-hmm. And that 
endlessly fascinates me. Yeah. That we are literally routing our brains to live in fear. Yeah. The more we think about justice in terms of punishment. Yeah. And I will, I will absolutely go to my deathbed believing that bad psychology is bad theology. Yes. And if it's messing, literally messing with the health of our bodies and brains and hearts, mm-hmm. that's not the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. The burden's light. Mm-hmm. There's still a burden, but the burden's mm-hmm. light. It will not make you unhealthy. Yeah. Um, Along those lines, and I, I do hesitate to share this because I, I don't want to endorse one side or over the other. Sure. But a, I saw a similar thing this week of brains uh, about comparing conservatives and liberals politically. Oh, this could get this could get hot. But go ahead. But, but that's what I'm I, to be cautious. Um, those who are conservative do have more activity when it comes to fear mm-hmm. and also logic. I mean, can be very practical and but but they don't have a lot of activity for um maybe not empathy is the right word. There's less activity, you know, if they're seen images of people with broken limbs or, you know, pain. Mm. I don't know if it's a desensitization to pain and trying to remove from it because of a fear. Sure, there can be a lot of explanations. There's a lot more removal from that sort of imagery in their minds. Mm. Whereas a, like, true to the stereotype, bleeding heart liberal is, can just be so empathy-minded and so compassion-oriented that they lose sight of more logical reasoning. And that's not to say liberals are illogical, and that's not to say conservatives are heartless. But it is recognize the way brains work differently. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, the Bible teaches to be transformed by renewing your mind. Yes. If you are in any tendency that is going against what Jesus would want of you, mm-hmm. we need to figure out a way to transform our thinking. Mm-hmm. And reactivate those parts of us that we hesitate to dive into yeah um i think also uh, another thing i heard today was that the hebrew word for mercy Mm -hmm. um there's a root word in there that means womb Mm. and so this is really a emphasizing it's a feminine quality and i don't mean that as a weaker i mean that as that's or that men can't have it. Yes, yeah. yes. And and I think that that's so important to recognize, like, the, the feminine attributes of God, because yeah. we are all in his image, right? Mm-hmm. And so these, um, this idea of mercy, even a man, even though it's feminine, ought to transform their mind mm-hmm. to embody more of that. Yeah. Even though it's not their natural tendency, but that's what we have the Holy Spirit for. Mm-hmm. And, and so to be someone that this mercy is life-giving, mm-hmm. that we recognize that this gift we've been given has given us new birth. Mm-hmm. Can we offer that to someone else? And Jesus talks on this so much, right? Yeah. Where we talk about forgiveness mm-hmm. and the, you know, keep forgiving, keep forgiving, 70 times 7. Um, but also there's the, the parable of the man who gave his servant 
or a servant asked, oh, I can't pay back what I owed. Please forgive me. And the guy's like, okay, yes, I'll forgive your debt. But then that same man who was forgiven did not forgive the debt of someone who owed him. Yeah. And that's, I think, where a lot of us are. Yes. And I think that, uh, I, I do think we, and I don't know if this is because they're just so close to each other in English, if they're perha- if they are a bit more removed from each other in Hebrew and Greek. I think that we tend to lump mercy and grace together as kind of one thing. Yeah. And so we talk about grace a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Give grace to, you know, so-and-so. Have grace for yourselves. Mm -hmm. Just be gracious. We talk about grace all the time, even in non-Christian settings. Grace is a word that you will hear just as self-care. Yeah. We don't hear mercy very often. Yeah. Well, mercy, along with forgiveness, they imply that you have authority over it that they owe you you have every right to punish and then you don't yes that is i think a lot harder for those of us from a culture that of a crime and punishment culture yeah yeah um yeah it's we need to do more meditating on mercy i think Mm -hmm. and what that means to be 100 percent within your right Mm mm-hmm and to lay it down. Mm-hmm. Moving on, I find it fascinating that this <laughs> is repairing it with the pure in heart. <laughs> and I know you eye roll, but you know, this illustrates to me exactly the Jesus and the woman caught, caught in adultery. Which is one of my all-time favorite stories. So go on with it. Well, uh, in the Gospel of John, a uh, a woman is, as Carly said, caught in adultery. Um, which, if you know anything about how adultery works, she wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but only she is dragged out into the streets by this mob of people and thrown in front of Jesus. And... They're tattling mm-hmm. on her. Well, they're trying to trap Jesus, basically. Yeah. But also, um, the law, technically the law, was that there was big punishment mm-hmm. for committing adultery. Not just for women, but again, they only chose to bring her out there. Um, and rather than following the law... Jesus instead, well, he, first he bends down and writes something in the sand, which is one of the greatest mysteries, because mm-hmm. no one knows what he wrote. And it's just so fun to speculate. Because there's this part of me that just kind of feels like he was doing that just to make him a little nervous. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yes, just like tapping your fingers on the table. Something. Yeah, so he writes Ooh. in the sand, and then he stands up, and they're telling him, you know, like, she needs to be stoned for what she's done. And he just says, well, all right. You who is without sin, you throw the first stone. And they can't do anything. Because mm-hmm. none of them are. Mm-hmm. Then he says to the woman who who here has, you know, lifted a hand to you. And she says, nobody. And he says, well, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. It's not, you're good. Do what you want. Do you, girl. Nor is it, that's not allowed and you should know better. Mm-hmm. It's 
both mm-hmm. mercy and purity. Mm-hmm. But what and I love which it, comes first? Mercy. Yeah. And the purity is not something, though, that he, he can't force that on her. Mm-hmm. He can show mercy. Yeah. But he can't force her into purity. Mm-hmm. That's her own decision to make. Yeah. yeah. And it, we don't necessarily know if the crowd dispersed before he said it, but I don't know what good it would do at the point that he says, like, you know, if you're without sin, you throw the first stone for him to announce to her in front of everybody, go and sin no more. Like, I feel like that defeats the purpose of right, the lesson. Right, And so it's it just also further proves to me that, like, those moments of conviction from the Lord are private. Yeah. You can have someone call things out. Sometimes there are times for a public calling out, although I even hesitate to say that because I don't want anyone to feel like they have permission to just drag someone's name through the mud. Right, right. I think that that has more to do with in terms of on a prophetic scale of saying, like, this is a problem, church. We need to clean it up. Like, mm-hmm. that can be mm-hmm. prophetic. Yes. And that can be public. Um, But in terms of a person's own heart. Right. Um. Those things are private. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is so much mercy. Yeah. She deserved a punishment by the law. Mm-hmm. A law that God himself had given. Mm-hmm. And then God himself says, no. Mm-hmm. We don't always like to think about how sometimes God breaks his own rules. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's just bizarre that I just... He's wild. He is. He (laughs) He, is. He's not a tame lion. No. And I think that when our idea of of purity of heart Mm -hmm. tames that lion, Mm -hmm. and that drives me endlessly insane. Yeah. I. I think, and I don't. I don't know if we necessarily need to keep on this, but I was thinking about when Jesus tells the disciples, and specifically Peter. What you forgive on earth, I will forgive. What you bind on earth, what you loose on earth, I will bind or I will loose in eternity. And I just think we are not doing a very good job of giving some forgiveness here. In terms of purity? No, back on the mercy, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. That how much more could God do and Jesus do as far as bringing mercy to the world if we would be the merciful? Right. That's what it is to be the hands and feet, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's just like clearing a way for them to come down and then do the actual work. Like, sometimes I think we're the ones supposed to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And God wants to bring it to the world. (laughs) He wants to bring that mercy. So... And I think that this idea of pure in heart is, is like, you even think of, like, why Mary was chosen to be the bearer of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's what they're looking for, is yeah. who are the pure in heart who are going to... Now, again, I think that we define that differently. Yes. I, I really do. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there's validity to the idea of being pure in heart means someone who is unblemished, right? You know, that that right. they are people who um, choose what's right. You know, I, I that's not inaccurate to say. But it's, purity it's encompasses so much more than what we make it. Yeah, and I think that this idea of purity meaning un- unblemished is we tend to 
only look at the outside. Yes. Because blemishes only really show up on mm-hmm. the outside. And so we, even if we say like, you know, what goes into the heart is what comes out, we're only looking to outer things to prove that. Yes. And I remember um, Steve-O, Steve Hayes, mm-hmm. like one of the best speakers ever from our yep. childhood, yep. Um, really kind of throwing it to us once at a, I don't know if it was a, like a midwinter conference or something back in the day, but mm-hmm. he was telling us one of his favorite moments ever ever as a pastor he was you know there was an altar call and people were coming down and praying and he was listening to everyone and there were so many very right sounding prayers mm-hmm. all the right you know praying scripture mm-hmm. as we're taught to do they're they're praying scripture over each other and then there was this one man who was just letting god have it mm-hmm and he was dirty. It looked I mean, it looked like he had had a road to get there and he's down at the altar and he's swearing and he was upset. And all the people who were there at the right prayers kept looking at him and rolling their eyes. Ugh, yuck. And Steve looked at us and he was like, "Who was the most pure of heart that day?" Mm. The ones who had the clean sounding language or the one who was trying to clean his heart. Yeah. And I think that that's the point, that it's not blessed are the pure. It's blessed are the pure of heart. Right. And the argument they want to give, though, is that, well, if your heart's clean, the outside will be clean. And it's like, but we then we just focus too much on the outside. Like, right. I even think how, so um, Mark Twain, for instance, mm-hmm. in Huck Finn, mm-hmm. uses the N-word an astonishing amount of times. Mm-hmm. He was an abolitionist. Yes. An abolitionist from the North who wanted an end to slavery and suddenly is using this word like like it's just a normal yeah. pronoun yeah as often as a pronoun mm-hmm. for the purpose of this should make you uncomfy yeah sometimes the dirtiest of words has a purpose yes. has a pure motive yes. in its use yes Whereas sometimes our our always cleaned up approach has a very impure motive because we're trying to lie about what's really going on on the inside. Mm -hmm. Honesty shows purity of heart. Yes. And I think that that is the kind of purity I I love is that transparency. Yeah. Like, you know, if a glass is pure, you can see through it so well. Or that... It's it's sincere, mm-hmm. it's honest, it's integrity. It's yeah. that sure, yeah, outside matters, but but it's about the inside more than just the actions. Yeah. And um and that's something I was listening to today about purity. And they, you know, it's kind of a a teen thing right now to oh that was so pure when they talk about like innocent. Mm. And and but it is that a tiny child is pure yeah and and what does that mean there's but the there's no is, filter there's no right because even a child's freak out is pure it's so pure they're just this is i have a need help i'm feeling this thing it's unhindered it's unhindered it's out there yeah and someone can respond to it that's still pure the wild lion the untamed lion is acting from a pure place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The tamed lion, even though it might look clean, does nothing. Yeah. Does nothing. Yeah. Okay. 
That said, I mean, again, it's not inaccurate to say that purity does have to do with removing crap, right? The, the, right. the imagery That's in scripture. Sanctification is a purification. Right. The, the, the imagery in scripture that you're um, to refine your metals, it, you put it under heat, over heat, and the impurities rise up and you scrape it off. So what's remaining is just pure gold or. And, and so that matters. Um, but I, I wonder if we're even willing to go through the fire in order to allow those things to come up. Right. And because we're too afraid to go over the fire where it's impure. <laughs> if that makes sense. Well, right, you know because I mean? the burned up places don't actually look very pure. Yeah, yeah. I uh, was reading through something yesterday. I think it, well, no, I think it was someone had posted a video, so I wasn't even reading it. But they were talking about, you know, the Apostle Paul. Who is the one who, you know, administered a lot of the exhortation to, you know, don't let any unwholesome talk, which don't get me started on that one. We use that to mean bad words. It's about gossip. You have yes. to let the verse be a whole thing yes. and not just stop it. Don't let unwholesome talk escape mm-hmm. your lips. The verse is, define it. The verse is longer than that. Yes. It is about gossip. Yes. And running someone's name through the mud and tearing something down mm-hmm. just for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. But... The Apostle Paul is one who, he gives a lot of those admonishments even. Right. Which is to say that sometimes he's harsh. Mm -hmm. Not everything he does is just always like, you're good, you guys. Not Mm -hmm. everything is always um, building up in our idea of like, it's only only ever just positive. Yeah. Sometimes things can't be built up until they've been torn down. Yes. That's purification. You tear down with grace and with mercy, but you are still honest. Yes. Anyway. Even though he is the one giving these things, he also uses dirty words. Mm-hmm. They don't look dirty in English. Right. But he uses some words that in the Greek language were not very uh, highfalutin. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> if we only had a word bingo... <laughs> The She Attitudes podcast. <laughs> one board out there has high volume. <laughs> That's extraordinary. But you know what I mean when I say that yeah. word, where it's this very just like, oh, flowers. Flowers and intelligence and a little above things. Like, mm-hmm. that's, I think, what we expect when we think, like, no unwholesome. Not, like, wholesome. Yeah. He uses some pretty icky words. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes those have a purer motive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if if you really are looking at somebody and you're trying to get them to stop what they're doing, like even with our students, like if we were just yeah. like, hey, please don't. Yeah. Do you want to know something? They're going to keep doing it. Yeah. If we throw something in there that shocks them a little, you know who's going to stop them? Mm-hmm. Like it just, mm-hmm. and it's not all the time, but it's like sometimes you have to throw something in for the shock factor so that what it really means Gets the point across. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that's how I feel too about like clean Christian art. Yeah. Ugh. Like Christian movies, you know, they they have gained their business because they're pure. Mm-hmm. They're also very unrealistic. Yeah. And they're not art. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I can't come off of that where it's like if you really look at the world, I just watched, um, Life in Color, David Attenborough on mm. Netflix. And e- there's this there's this bee, this bug that 
the way that it's put together, this tiny thing has such detail and it's like, why? Mm -hmm. Like the way that its body is, it's like, what purpose does it serve for it to be that almost disconnected Mm -hmm. looking from all its other limbs? What purpose? For the fun of it. Mm -hmm. When that's the bar of creativity that the one whose image we bear has set and we are settling for sanitized, watered down versions of like, if you just follow the rules, you will get your miracle. Bull. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bull. Tell the truth. Telling the truth, even when there are dirty parts, is purer Mm -hmm. than any sanitized, quote unquote, piece of art, which is not art, but... The purity of a child, along with that just complete unfiltered honesty and transparency and authenticity, is also their wonder. Yes. Um, and, and, and so along those lines, that the pure in heart, that those who are filled with that anticipation of their needs being met, mm-hmm. that they can cry out, that they can say what they feel... They see God. We will see God in everything. Yeah. If we have that heart. Yeah. And and so, you know, I'm going to say this in a weird way that I don't want this to be a, well, you just need to read your Bible more and then you'll see God. <laughs> because, well, yeah, don't say that God is silent unless you've cracked open your Bible. And I'm like, well, also, look around you it says creation will tell the story of the gospel and it does there's resurrection everywhere in nature everywhere and in art and in so many things like can we just talk about like i talked so much with my parents today about harry potter and the theology in it and just the 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 imagery just all sorts of things that when your heart is pure, you are looking for God in all things. Because you are not trying is, to avoid because, oh, that's where that's where God isn't. It's like, no, God is here. God's everywhere. I'm untouchable. God is everywhere. Mm-hmm. There aren't places he won't go. Yeah. And I believe that the purifying of our hearts, um, first of all, like, we can make the obvious, Jesus does it first, you know, that, that we, it is part of our coming to him in which he purifies us Mm -hmm. okay that said a lot of how to become pure isn't just in avoidance yep but part of us becoming pure is going on a journey of self-healing yes i i think that our hearts so uh, another thing i was just about jung today and and he talks about a divided heart and which it's impure because who we are is not lining up with what we're doing. Yeah. That our truest self is, is wounded mm-hmm. and we're not being all we're supposed to be. Yes. And so the work of psychology, the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of our relationship with God is to bring wholeness to our heart, mm-hmm. to make it pure, to reunite this division so that in as we are healed, yes, that will reflect in our actions, but don't put the cart before the horse. Yeah. That above all else, like, yes, guard your heart. That doesn't mean avoidance. That means take care of it. Yeah. Heal it. Mm-hmm. Examine it. And, and, and that's Psalms, right? Like, Lord, ex- look, search me, know me. Mm-hmm. 
that is such an open space. That is not a tight-fisted place. That is not a pearl-clutching place. Yeah. It is an openness of possibility that might lead you into some impure places. Yes. And yet, that fire brings about purity. Well, I, yeah, I just, that iron sharpens iron idea that is a part Mm. of a purification process, like, Mm -hmm. you don't, that does not happen if you avoid all the hard places of the world. The places that look dirty. Iron sharpens iron is a painful process. There are sparks that fly. Well, and I think that it kind of wraps around, too, that idea of mercy is that it's like, if we're avoiding places that seem really dirty to us, we start to develop this idea that we are above it. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. We're 100% part of it, and we only make it dirtier when we pretend like we aren't. Yeah. We become those people rolling their eyes at the man praying honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, because our sentences sound better? Like, God does not care. Yeah. So, practical advice. Oh, gosh, that's a look. I really... Whew. I'm a little flushed. I really want going on that one. I have to like <laughs> roll back into practical advice. What does <sighs> it mean to practice mercy and purity? I, mm, the mercy one is kind of hard for me because I do, I do absolutely think that um, it is important to maintain. And actually, I guess taking on a, a seeking a pure heart will help with this, but it is important to maintain a picture of reality mm-hmm. um, that yes, we must be showing mercy to people uh, and things that they deserve. We don't have the authority to administer. And so we withhold, but without ever getting to a point where we are ignoring very real things that need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um and wh- whose job is it to do that? Is it our job just to pray that those things are addressed and, and God deals, you know, privately like he did with mm-hmm. the adulterous woman? Mm-hmm. And it is our job to step back and really examine ourselves? Or is it on a larger scale that does need to be yeah. uh, public? And I think that even those addri- uh, uh, steps taken to address things need to be grace and mercy filled. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, it's hard for me to find practical advice for being merciful when I, I am still trying to find the line between when are we realistic about things that have to um, be called out mm-hmm. and when are there things that we need to just choose our battle. Right. And I think that the starting point is in the heart. Yeah. That if you're if there's a situation that needs addressing... Even so, we need to be praying through it so we are equipped with mercy and we are equipped with purity. How does that connect to, because we talked about it earlier, you know, this, that we're transformed through the renewing of our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, where's that connection? This renewing of your mind, but then also this surrendering of your heart. Are they the same thing? I, I They go hand in hand. Yeah, I one kind of just affects the other. Yeah. Kind of intrinsic. Yeah, uh, because when we talk about we're not talking about your anatomical heart. Right. You know, that that it is, and in fact, linguistically, we're talking about kidneys. Like, or your bowels. Like, but but just... Greek ain't pretty, y'all. Your, your core. <laughs> just whatever's in your core. Uh-huh. Um, but that's so connected. I mean, it's, we're a body, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and so, um, as far as the renewal of your mind, um, again... 
finish that verse. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Then you will be able to know God's will. That when your heart, and, and, and that's almost a parallel to when your heart is pure, you see God. Uh-huh. And so I don't think renewing your mind is just about avoiding things. I think it is. No, I think it's about having the courage to look things directly. Yeah. And, and so there's the practical health side of it that s- steward your health and your brain. Develop it, expand it, expose it to things besides Facebook. Mm-hmm. What, what are you dwelling on? Mm-hmm. If it is just triggering you into a place that makes you unmerciful, yeah. do remove that. Yeah. Um, when Paul speaks on uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble. Yeah, Philippians. Whatever is right, pure, lovely. Excellent, praiseworthy. I mean, it's not just bubbly things. It's things that are true, too. Yeah. Truth isn't always pretty. And so to to dwell in those spaces, um, I think we are a culture that wants to numb and avoid and only look at certain things that just bring us down. Well, either that or when we choose to look at something true, we only ever look at true things that help us to continue avoiding. So like, mm-hmm. well, we won't, this is, we're just strangers passing through. This is not our home. We'll be, yeah. and it just becomes this future tense. It's lovely over there. So I can ignore this, mm-hmm. but that's not when it focus on things that are true. That's not the only truth, right? There are true things happening here that need a greater truth to be an umbrella over it. And we're supposed to be the one holding up that umbrella. Yeah. And so if we can walk out into our world with that pure curiosity and eagerness to experience it and know it, mm-hmm. it is in our experiences and our curiosity about people and hearing their stories yeah. that we are able to be more, more merciful and more forgiving because we know them. Yeah. And now they're not just something we can scorn. They're a person. Yeah. And, and so I, if that is at all practical, that we be fearless and we engage all of our senses in this world, mm-hmm. um, that normally our purity talk tells us to remove and flee from the world. But I think repress your senses and desires. But and- I think that there's something important for our purity that we engage holistically. Yes. And, of course, know your limits. Of course, know your boundaries. But um, there's, we don't need to be afraid. Yeah. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of caring, you find yourselves cared for. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You are blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Blessed are you to go forward with the heart of a merciful God. Yours is the kingdom, and the kingdom is here.